where uh, refuge naturalists will staff the Brownsville Overlook to answer the hundreds of questions that will come from people who stop with binoculars and telescopes. And, wow, look at all those birds. What kind are they? Katie Julian from Fish and Wildlife, good morning. Hey, good morning, Mike. At least it won't be raining. It won't be sleety and slushy and crappy or 50 below. You'll have decent weather. It should be a great weekend to be able to see the birds. What and, and you know, dozens of different kind of birds stop there in that part of the Mississippi. Why is that area so popular? We're kind of right on a super highway for birds. The Mississippi River stays open longer than other bodies of water simply because it's a huge river, but also because it's a national wildlife refuge. They have the food that they need to be able to really rest refuel and get ready for the next part of their migration so something uh, internally tells them this is a safe place to stop and unless you're a certain duck at a certain time of year nobody will be looking to take me home for dinner i can eat i can rest i can talk with my friends and then head south when i want to yeah and actually the area where the birds are feeding right in front of the brownsville overlook is part of a voluntary waterfowl avoidance area oh, perfect. which acts kind of like a refuge within the refuge um, and that area is close to waterfowl hunting perfect and we also ask that all boat traffic for any reason avoids entering that area to give the birds a chance to kind of rest and feed up again. I know a lot of people think, hey, watch this, and they drive their boat through an area, and then, you know, 10,000 birds take flight, they fly around, then they land again. Wow, wasn't that cool? Uh, It may be a fun visual, but it disrupts the birds big time, and they're using all that energy for something stupid like not being run (laughs) over by you and your dumb boat. Exactly. It's like when you just sit down to dinner with your family and the phone rings or someone comes to the door and you have to get right back up again to go answer the door. Bad news. Um, And every time they get up, it takes more energy for them that they have to spend trying to find food again. I know. And they're trying to store that. As soon as they fly away, some other bird is going to say, hey, that's a better spot. I'm going to slide over there and get that guy's food while he's up there flying around for no good reason. What uh, I know there are dozens of different species is there one main species that people will notice when they go to the brownsville overlook these next weekends the tundra swan migration is really the most exciting phenomenon for a lot of people Hmm. we get anywhere between a thousand and twenty thousand tundra swans that are hanging out right on the lower part of pool eight so the sound that the birds make as they're sitting there eating is just it sounds like a party. Yeah, it does. One to 20,000 birds. Why the huge variation? Well, it depends a lot on the weather. So does we it? get okay. about 20% of the northeastern population of tundra swans. And it's really the cold weather north of us that's pushing them down from their summer habitat in the Arctic. So if the weather is very cold quickly, then we might see a huge migration of birds all at one time. But if it's a more gradual fall, then they might trickle in uh, and start heading out in a little bit more gradual pattern. So the so, birds just feel it then. They, they, they fly into this area. They know there's plentiful food. They know they'll be safe. They stay there till they're just jammed with food. Or what tells them it's, it's the weather that tells them it's time to move south? We actually don't know the answer to that question. So we know on average that they spend about three weeks here, and while Uh they're here, they'll eat about half their body weight a day in food. 
So if the river doesn't freeze over, we don't really know if they get to a point where they're suddenly full or if it's a daylight cue that tells them, okay, it's time to go, or if it really is the river freezing that will push them on eventually. Or maybe um, maybe it's something that tells them, if I eat anymore, I won't be able to fly. I'm eating <laughs> half of my body weight, and I've been here for two and a half weeks. Maybe yeah. I should see if I can still fly before I eat some more. What is it that they're eating? What's so pop- what grows there that is so popular with wildlife? There's a plant called arrowhead, which has really pretty green arrow-shaped leaves in the summer. And that plant grows tubers on its root, which are kind of like little potatoes. So similar to a marathon runner might be carbo-loading before a race event, the tundra swans are filling up on carbs so they can have that fast energy available to them for the rest of their journey. Cool. Uh, Is there any uh, uh, benefit to duckweed? For other wildlife, sure. There's, oh, you know, the, good. the other kinds of ducks that are feeding there at the Overlook eat a broad diversity of plants. So I, each species of ducks has its own preference for what they're eating. I only think the of that. The thunderspuns in particular they're want looking the, for the arrowhead tubers. Sure. Well, they're bigger. They want more food. I'm only thinking of uh, duckweed as the scourge of bathing suit wearing uh, summer uh, uh, people that live and uh, play up and down the river. <laughs> duckweed in your bathing suit they just don't get along together so eat all the duckweed you want uh, fi- uh, uh birds and do they do any of the birds eat fish that are also swimming in that area or no they tend to eat mostly uh, plants but okay, all right. we do see as we get into winter we have photographers who have gotten pictures of mallard ducks and um some other species eating the tiny little shad and small fish if they're available so uh we see it. This right. does happen. Some of Good. them will eat small fish. Good to know. Good to know. 10 till 2, Saturdays and Sundays, beginning tomorrow and running through the uh, 19th, right? That's the last uh, the last appearance of you guys? Correct. So come on down, uh, especially, well, understand that when the weather's nice, if next weekend is sunny and warmer, there will be a bajillion people at the Overlook. Uh, do they? Does everybody need to bring their own... Uh, binoculars and telescopes and so forth, or do you have some that you can share? Our naturalists will have a spotting scope for folks to look to, and there are two permanent ones that are there at the Overlook. But if you have your own binoculars, it does help to be able to take a look while other folks are using the scopes. Bring them. Katie Julian, thank you so much for talking with me. I know, is this, how many times have you been one of the naturalists at the Brownsville Overlook? Oh, I think we've been doing it for maybe no, six no. or seven years I now. Know. How many times have you been there? Have you Just been there? about every year except every, this one. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, you're not going to be there tomorrow, this weekend? We have a new refuge ranger who'll uh. be representing uh, this weekend. <laughs> oh, all right. So you get to sleep in. I get it. And you get further up the ladder, and then it's somebody else's turn. Totally understand that, Katie. Thanks very much for talking with me this morning, and thank you so much for helping so many of us understand what it is we're looking at and which one of those birds is making all that noise. Yee-haw! This week, well, all weekends through the month of November, the Brownsville Overlook, so, so fun. 